Hi, this is Jim Kirkland, and from all of us at GPS God People Stories, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And I'm Phil Fleischman. We're doing something a little bit different on this episode, and next week's episode, we're going to revisit a handful of stories from the past year. On this episode, we will look back at a number of stories. One of them comes to us from Jack Phillips. So I'm, again, trying graciously, trying to tell them, I'm sorry I don't do cakes for same-sex weddings. I'll sell you anything else, but I don't do that cake. And another one from Tiffany Johnson. I was literally face-to-face with a shark. Bart Millard of Mercy Me. I was done, and I just couldn't take it anymore. Like, God, why does this stuff keep happening? And Gracia Burnham. They raised their weapons and yelled, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, and we knew we were in big trouble. Now, each of these people's stories involve loss and struggles of some kind. Uh, Many of them may be the struggles and losses that you have dealt with, are dealing with, or will deal with. There's good news, though. Billy Graham is going to share with us later an encouraging word about our losses and struggles. Today, whatever your trouble, tragedy, or distress, I beg of you to trust God. It can be done by receiving Christ as your Savior and Lord now. We can tell you a lot more about receiving Christ as your Savior at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. GPS. God. People. Stories. We made introductions, and so I'm Jack, David, Charlie. What can I do for you? One of them said, we're here to look for wedding cakes, and the other one said, it's for our wedding. That's Jack Phillips. He owns the Masterpiece Cake Shop in Lakewood, Colorado. In July of 2012, he told David Mullins and Charlie Craig he could not make a cake for their wedding because it would violate his Christian convictions. And so I'm, again, trying graciously, trying to tell them, I'm sorry, I don't do cakes for same-sex weddings. I'll sell you anything else, you know, birthday cakes, shower cakes, uh, cookies, brownies, anything like that. But I don't do that cake. We didn't get much chance to talk about it because they stormed out of my shop swearing at me. A complaint was filed against Jack with the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. The commission ruled that Jack either had to agree to make cakes for same-sex weddings or quit making wedding cakes altogether. So rather than start creating cakes that go against the core of my faith, same-sex wedding cakes, then we're not going to do any wedding cakes. So we were forced out of the wedding business by the state of Colorado, and that was about 40% of our business. The Christian legal group, the Alliance Defending Freedom, came alongside Jack, and they challenged his case all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. The ADF argued that when Jack refuses to create a cake— His decision is based on the message the cake promotes and not the person who's asking for it. We asked him to look at uh, the free exercise element and free speech in regard to the ruling against me by the uh, Civil Rights Commission. And the free exercise element was enough for them to look at this and say, this can be completely overturned right here. It was June of 2018 when the Supreme Court released its decision in favor of Jack and his Masterpiece Cake Shop. The six-year legal journey that Jack's been on has been a challenging one, but it has given him an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with a lot of people at both the national and personal levels. Just last week, I had a a young man come in who identified as gay, and, you know, I told him some of the things that I struggle with, but God has sent his son to die on the cross and take those punishments because you may feel guilty, but guess what? You are. 
guess what? So am I. But that guilt, the punishment for that guilt has been placed on Jesus Christ. And the payment has been made if you want to accept that payment. And so that's the short version of a maybe 20, 30-minute conversation between myself and this young man. And we've had numerous opportunities for things like that. This is what we're here. Jack Phillips' story began on a beautiful sunny day in 2012. Our next guest's story began also on a beautiful sunny day in 2017. Tiffany Johnson and her husband, JJ, were on a Caribbean cruise and had gone on a snorkeling expedition. JJ started feeling sick, and after about 20 minutes of snorkeling, he swam back to the boat. I stayed out there because 20 minutes isn't long enough and uh, just enjoying God's creation. And uh, I felt like I had bumped into something. So when I turned to my right to see what I'd bumped into, I was literally face to face with a shark and he had my whole arm in his mouth. You heard that right. Tiffany's entire arm was in the shark's mouth. But that didn't stop Tiffany from fighting back. And I began to yank and I did get a portion of my arm out and he... uh, he fully a uh, bit down right below my elbow. And that's when be- he began to fight and thrash. And uh, there's so much commotion. And, um, you know, I was fighting for my life. And, and Jesus was giving me the strength to keep fighting. I was able to get free of him. I, I, my arm kind of just popped out of his, his mouth and it was gone. Just a, a mangled stump. And, um, and I, I turned to my left. I flipped off my snorkel mask and I screamed out, help, help me, Jesus. Tiffany was able to swim back to the boat, but it was a 30-minute ride to the nearest hospital. And the only thing they could use to slow the bleeding was a beach towel. We found out later from many medical professionals that 30 minutes without a tourniquet, with an amputation and uh, in the, a beach towel, <laughs> um, they said it. I should have lost my life. I should have bled out on that boat, but I didn't even require a blood transfusion. It was just an amazing miracle that God stepped in and just took care of us. And I never fought infection either. And if you think about the shark's mouth and the water, and there's so many opportunities for me to have all kinds of infections, which would have resulted in more loss of my arm or or my life, but yet God protected us. Eventually, Tiffany was fitted with a bionic arm and hand. JJ says their story has drawn national and even international attention. Our biggest thing is just being able to advance the kingdom. And that's been our goal whenever we are speaking to the media people, whenever we're at detention facilities, whenever she's at schools, wherever the case may be, newspapers, is just shedding the light of Jesus and just letting his light shine and advancing the kingdom through it all. J.J. and Tiffany are grateful for all the opportunities that have availed themselves to share her story. And J.J. says they're also grateful for the faith that has carried them through the ordeal. We lead a young adult ministry, and something that we tell them is adversity doesn't challenge your faith. It exposes it. So whenever you go through that adversity, um, whatever you do put in is going to come out. It's not what you can conjure up. It's not what whatever knowledge that you have in your head from your past, it's what's in your heart. When my heart is torn asunder And my world just falls apart 
Lord, you put me back together and lift me up to where you are. Our next guest discovered that even when you have the hope of Jesus in your heart, life can sometimes still get clouded over by the struggles that you're dealing with. Bart Millard is lead singer of the band Mercy Me. He grew up with a single dad who would lash out at Bart in anger. I don't remember many weeks where I wasn't beaten three or four times a week. Um, I remember sitting in a car and I knew exactly how far his arm length was if I was in the front seat and I could lean against the glass so that his hand couldn't reach me. Bart believes his dad's behavior may have been the result of two factors. He suffered a head injury in a serious construction accident and he took a lot of blows to the head when he played college football. There was some kind of brain damage taking place. And he'd find remorse, and he would call me in, and he would, and he would, I know it sounds crazy, but he would genuinely, he would apologize for what he'd done. And then we'd sit on the couch, or I'd lay my head in his lap, or we'd, and we'd watch TV. And those are like the sweetest moments of my childhood, but they are always after the worst moments of my childhood. Bart's dad died of cancer when Bart was a freshman in college. Several years earlier, Bart had surrendered his life to Jesus and begun writing and playing music. Bart's dad had also accepted Jesus as his savior. His dad's death eventually led Bart to write the song, I Can Only Imagine, as he thought about what his dad was experiencing in heaven. It took me about 10 minutes to write at the time, but it had been in my heart for quite some time, just obsessing over, you know, what it could possibly be like and wrote the song and and um we knew it was special i knew it was special to me but i had no idea what was about to take place and feel like i've been hanging on for the ride ever since i can only imagine would go on to become the best-selling christian single of all time to date and it would also help establish mercy me as one of the most successful christian bands of all time but that success meant an intense travel schedule which began to take a toll on bart And there were other factors taking a toll on him, too. He had lost two family members, his son was diagnosed with diabetes, and he was battling lifelong struggles with feeling like he had to earn love. I was done, and I just couldn't take it anymore. Like, God, why does this stuff keep happening? It was so bad, Bart was ready to quit the band until a friend told him that he couldn't do anything to make Jesus love him more than he already does. And he encouraged Bart to rest in the finished work of the cross of Christ. And so when I realized that my identity was not the success and failures of Mercy Me, but that's just an overflow of a healthy relationship, and that I started understanding who I actually am in Christ, which is not a bad person trying to be good, but holy, righteous, and redeemed because of the cross. Boy, I wish I would have known that when I was a kid, because if it turned my world upside down at 40, how much damage could I have done if I was eight, at eight, and understood it? Dear younger me, where do I start? If I could tell you everything that I have learned so far Then you could be one step ahead Of all the painful memories still running through my head I wonder how much different things would be Dear younger me Bart Millard mentioned he was 40 when he allowed God to turn his life upside down And our next guest was about the same age when her life turned upside down. Gracia Burnham and her husband Martin were serving as missionaries in the Philippines at the time. Martin was a pilot who flew supplies into other missionaries. Martin would load up the plane and take you your groceries and your school books and your medical supplies. And 
was free to do air ambulance Mm -hmm. evacuations, things like that for these villages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we loved what we did. The Burnham's life in the Philippines would take a dramatic turn in May of 2001. That's when Martin agreed to take some flights for a fellow pilot on the island of Palawan. We often covered Mm -hmm. for each other. So we went down to Palawan. We left our children with our neighbors, our co-workers, and we told them we'll be home in one week. It was their plan to spend one night on Palawan, but they were awakened by gunmen bursting into their cottage. They were taking all of us, not just Martin and I, but everyone in those cottages built on stilts out over the water. Uh, They were taking us to a waiting speedboat. And as we pulled away from the dock, they raised their weapons and yelled, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. And that's when we knew who had us. Everyone in the Philippines knows who the Abu Sayyaf are. They're militant Muslims who declared jihad in that area of the world. And we knew we were in big trouble. And all, there were 20 hostages taken by the militants in the early morning of May 27, 2001. And that began a year of running for our lives from the Philippine military, who, of course, right away were notified that there were hostages and they were trying to rescue us. So it was a cat and mouse game all year long for more than a year. It was more than a year for the Burnhams, but it would be less than that for most of the other hostages. All but one of the other hostages were either ransomed and set free or killed within five months. One hostage, a Filipina nurse named Etabora, would remain with the Burnhams until the end of the ordeal. For me, it was a roller coaster. I would go from one moment, God, you've got this. I am in the palm of your hand. Um, you're going to get us home safely. And moments later, I would be down in the depths. God, have you forgotten us? Do you even know that we're here? And as the days turned into weeks and the weeks turned into months and the months turned into a year, There was this constant roller coaster for me. Uh, For Martin, he was pretty steady. He he just had such a Christ-like attitude and would always point myself to the Lord. The Philippine military and the Burnham's captors would often exchange gunfire. But on June 7th, 2002, the military actually closed in on the group, hoping to rescue the hostages. They came over the hill and just opened fire on us like they'd done 16 times before. And I immediately was shot in the leg. And I hit the ground and looked over at Martin, and he was bleeding from his chest. And I knew that leg wounds might heal. Chest wounds don't. And we just laid there during the gun battle. I don't know how long that lasted. And when I heard the Abu Sayyaf retreating down the river... And I heard the shouts of the Tagalog, the, the language of the, the soldiers coming down the hill. I started to move my hands around so they would know I was alive. And they came and uh, started dragging me up the hill. And as they dragged me away, I looked back at Martin and he was white. And that's when I knew he was dead. Also killed in the raid was the Burnham's fellow hostage, Etabora, who had become a dear friend of theirs. Gracia doesn't understand why God allowed Martin to die after making it through a year in captivity, but she trusts his plan, and her experience led her to a new ministry. I travel and I speak and I 
tell our story, and it's an old story, but people keep seeming to want to hear it. I think when people hear me speak, they think, wow, if God can do that for her in that situation, God can take me down this path that I wish I weren't walking down right now. And a lot of people are uh, walking down really hard paths today. And uh, God doesn't send you down that path alone. He walks with you and he gives you the strength every day to do what you need to do. And we hang on to him for all we're worth and we, we keep going. The same God who walked with Gracia and Martin Burnham also walked with Bart Millard and Tiffany Johnson and Jack Phillips. And he'll walk with you through whatever troubles you end up facing. It all begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If you find yourself wondering, how do I begin that relationship? We are here for you, and we've got some great information for you at a website. The address is findpeacewithgod.net. That is findpeacewithgod.net. In just a minute, we're going to give you a peek at next week's Best of episode. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Why do Christians suffer? Billy Graham. The Bible teaches that afflictions are God's appointments for his children. This world is not a place of bliss for the Christians, for Jesus reminded us that while in this world we would have tribulation, you can be sick to the glory of God. The Bible teaches that a Christian can even die to the glory of God. Death for a Christian should actually be a time of rejoicing for those that are left behind because there is the confident assurance that they have gone into the presence of Christ. Though there's an empty spot in our hearts, yet the Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You suffering and afflicted Christians, take courage today. God is always with his people through thick and through thin. Jesus said, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Today. Whatever your trouble, tragedy, or distress, I beg of you to trust God. It can be done by receiving Christ as your Savior and Lord now. And that part about receiving Christ as your Savior and Lord, we can tell you more about that at findpeacewithgod.net. Findpeacewithgod.net. Next week's episode of GPS is part two of our Best of 2018 series. And one of the stories we're going to revisit is from Bible teacher Kay Arthur. I lifted my fist and I shook my fist in the face of God and I said, to hell with you, God. I'm going to find someone to love me. And we'll share again the story of Luis Javier Ruiz. He is a survivor of the Pulse nightclub massacre. I'm seeing like people dropping and and being shot. And while this is all going on, I'm thinking, I'm about to die. I'm about to go to hell. That is just a sample of the stories that you will hear on next week's episode of GPS, God People Stories. By the way, we want to make the podcast as easy for you to find as possible. And there is a Billy Graham app where you can listen to GPS as well as other audio. The app is free. 
Look for it, the Billy Graham app, in the App Store. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. All of us here at GPS, including our producer, Josh Batson, wish you a very merry and blessed Christmas. Mm -hmm, Indeed. GPS, God People Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Shall come to thee, oh. We-